This has been an extraordinary year filled with too many stresses to count. It's important to your health and to those around you to check in with yourself and others to make sure everyone is okay. This holiday season can be especially stressful, but remember that you don't have to go through any of this alone. There are folks who support you and want to see you okay so that we all come out on the other side of this together. Don't forget that, and don't be afraid to speak up if you need a hand. I'm John Hall, and this week we're shaking things up a bit and doing a year-end roundtable with some writers and beer professionals to toast the end of 2020 and to look forward to the new year. Author and UK pub partner Melissa Cole is here, along with Greg Avola from Untapped and Christopher Shepard of Craft Brew News. But up first, joining me on the phone is Cigar City Brewing founder, Joey Redner. Cigar City is the sponsor of this episode, and we thank them for that. And this week, we're talking about Maduro Brown Ale. Joey, I, I love that you have a brown ale, and I'm curious as to what it brings to the overall brewery portfolio. Uh, I think, you know, you look at the lineup of, of most breweries, um, you know, they, they tend to be pale ale, uh, IPA, you know, some people throw in a wheat beer, uh, sours are, are becoming increasingly common. Um, but, you know, a, a style that's really sort of slipped into the background is, um, you know, porters, brown ale, stouts, they're just not as prevalent as as uh, they once were. And, uh, you know, even within that framework, they were never a dominant style. I think in the darker pantheon of beers, maybe Amber probably peaked with the highest popularity. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just, you know, I always thought that, you know, I knew there was, because I was a malthead, I knew there was a contingent of, of Porter Brown L stout lovers. And I just thought if we could come out with a beer that was approachable enough uh, to most people and and the brown ale in that category to me is the most approachable. If we could come out with something that sort of made it an easy segue in. And, and so when we designed Maduro, the whole point was to kind of get close to brown porter territory, but but still keep its its feet firmly rooted in the, in the brown hill category. Um, you know, that was that was the goal. And in that lineup, I think it just, you know, it offers a it offers a, a safe harbor to malt heads like myself um, that, you know, just don't always have a, a lot of go-to choices out in the market. Um, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of the amount of dark beers that I'm consistently able to get, even now in 2020. You know, at, at my local grocer. Um, so I think what it does in in our lineup is is you know it it, it gives us uh, a beer that um, you know quite frankly a lot of breweries have have ignored style wise. Yeah. Well, taste wise and aroma wise, uh, when somebody pours it into a glass, what should they expect? So Maduro is going to, you know, the immediate thing you're going to get is you're going to get uh, kind of mild milk chocolate notes. Um, you'll get um, real low bitterness uh, coffee, uh, a real mild blend of coffee. You're not going to get like those espresso burnt notes. You're going to get just a real smooth, almost like a cold brew kind of flavor, very low bitterness. Uh, you're going to get sweet caramel, maybe some toffee notes. Um, and you're going to get a beer that pairs exceptionally well with food. Nice. Well, we're going to have more with Joey later on in the show, but for now, you can learn more about Maduro and all of the other Cigar City Brewing beers by visiting CigarCityBrewing.com. As this year limps to a close, I was thinking about what usually brings me joy in and around the beer space, and it's getting together with good friends over pints for general business chats, as well as a proper bullshit session. And since we can't get together in person, I thought that this could be a good format to bring together some of my favorite people for a chat about the year that was and to share some stories. 
So on the show this week is author Melissa Cole. Her new book is called The Little Book of Lager, and it's available now where books are sold. Christopher Shepard is the senior editor of Craft Brew News, which is published by Beer Marketers Insights, and Greg Avola is one of the founders of Untapped. I wanted to talk a little business, have a little fun, and generally see where their heads were at as this year comes to a close. So get a beer, get comfortable, and let's have some fun. Melissa spoke to me from London, Greg from Connecticut, and Shep from New York. Here's our conversation. Melissa, I want to begin with you recording this two days before it'll go to air. And London, where you are, is back in the news again with a mutation of the coronavirus. Uh, People are starting to get a, a little concerned about that. And your government has imposed various lockdowns and and, and new restrictions. Uh, I, I don't want to dwell too, too much on COVID, but we haven't covered your side of the pond too much this year. So I, what's it been like in London over the last couple of months, in the UK over the last couple of months, and, and what's it like right now? A confused shit show, <laughs> to be quite honest. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a global answer. Uh, ours have been particularly special, I feel. I mean, we've got the highest death rate in Europe. Um, it's just uh, we've got a sentient haystack for a prime minister. Um, it's all a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not been great. It really hasn't. But then again, obviously, you've got to look at the fact that you're still upright. Um, I think it's it's uh, there is just simp- quite simply not enough support for the third largest employer in the UK, which is the leisure and hospitality industry, which obviously includes also then in in the manufacturing side as well, uh, breweries. So I feel like the whole of that area has been completely hung out to dry in some bizarre misguided thing to keep children in school when they could switch to online learning. And it's just a bit mad. Yeah, I want to dive in a little bit more to what's happening uh, with your breweries and your and, and your restaurants, but I want to turn to to Greg uh, just at the top of the show now to just sort of, uh, Greg, you've seen a change in how your users have been interacting with the app over the co- over the course of the last year because people were checking into uh, bars and restaurants and now and now they're not. Um, what's that been like for for Untapped? It's definitely different. I, I think that, you know, we look at on top, it's, its goal was to kind of connect people together and drink kind of socially from the web. Uh, but people used it really in, in the bars and restaurant scenes. That was a primary uh, perspective of where it was used. But as things have grown and the pandemic has grown, you know, crazily out of control here, you know, we've shifted to more of drinking at home. So we added in our untapped at home venue, which is uh, where people can add, you know, drink from their home location. Everyone can see what you're having in there. We've seen really good success with that. But, you know, I think the biggest changes we've seen is just the consumption perspective of the number of check-ins. Obviously, as that's decreased this year because the festivals haven't really been around. That's been yeah. a big part of our, our, our check-in, you know, counts going really crazy is that we have these, uh, these festivals all throughout the country and all around the world. And those are not happening this year. Um, uh, so that's obviously going to bring it down there. And then secondly, John, I would say that, you know, the other crazy thing is that, that the, we have a container size or a serving size people can associate a check-in with. And we've seen huge decreases in draft check-ins over the, over the whole year of 2020. I think looking at the data now, only 19% of check-ins that have a particular uh, serving style are draft. Uh, last year, 
that was close to around 45%. So it's a huge decrease over there. Well, can and bottle specifically can has increased, but we're just seeing more and more kind of like, you know, uh, at home drinking and, and that is continuing the, the kind of surge of check-ins, but it's definitely nowhere near where we were last year because of these lack of festivals and breweries being open uh, from that perspective. Chris, draft is obviously one of the big stories that's been happening this, this past year and you cover the business of beer. What do you think 2020 is going to be remembered for in the arena that you're covering that you're specializing in and focusing on? Oh gosh, that's a real difficult question. Um, that's why I'm here. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the, what it's going to be remembered for. Well, I, <laughs> Strangely, it, it's going to be remembered as a, what it feel what it feels like inside of it at least is a little bit of a tipping point year where uh, uh, sort of structural changes within the industry are, are shifting quite a bit. Um, but the weird irony is, you know, top line overall, big picture, we're going to end up in a lot of it's. It feels like at this point, you know, most of the way through the December that it's going to end up in with a lot of the same macro trends that we've been watching over the last few years, which is, you know, total volume, essentially flat, slightly down, um, but not, you know, not way, way off. Um, We're, you know, the biggest players losing a a few share points um, to smaller players that have focused on higher end segments and um, styles. Uh, So, but I, I think that inside of that, right, we're watching, you know, uh, Mark Anthony, which is Mike's Brewing, uh, and uh, or Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, yeah, that's White uh, and, and, yeah. and Boston Beer, uh, right, which is Sam Adams, but mostly now Truly, uh, right. We're seeing those two companies, which are the leaders in hard seltzer, just sort of get a lot more of that share. Uh, that share used to sort of shed by the biggest players used to split between, you know, basically Constellation, the the Mexican imports, um, and smaller players and craft. And over the last couple of years, we've watched how uh, Mike's and, and Boston have been the, you know, really taking on and, and this year it's all about them. Um, yeah. so it's, it's this really weird irony that's going on where there's so much, so much pain and devastation, um, that we're watching on the news all the time, uh, that's happening in the world. And that one major, major part of the industry, the, the restaurant and bar, uh, sector is, in, is, is having an incredibly tough time. And, and as, as Melissa said, like there's just not been anywhere near enough support for them uh, here as well. Um, we're seeing smaller brewers who sort of function more like that being <laughs> sort of rocked to their core. Um, but we're also seeing, you know, huge success for a, a smaller group of companies that are not the really big ones. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, just a huge amount of shift to at-home consumption, which has been a huge boon, uh, not only for those sort of off-premise retailers like the supermarkets and the convenience stores, um, but but a lot of beer wholesalers are having a really good year too, because um, they don't make so much money on on draft distribution, um, but they make quite a bit more uh, drop-in cases uh, at those big off-premise outlets. So it's it's a very strange, mixed uh, universe of of results. It's been a while since, uh, maybe about two years since I've actually been to the UK. So I, I, I haven't had my dose of pub culture uh, in quite a while. M- Melissa, are, are people drinking hard seltzers where you are? Do people no. care about them? Not really. I mean, they seem to have um, taken a bit of a hold in um, in big 
multiple retailers, so supermarkets, but not really. It's interesting. There's been there's been people who have sort of been flinging money at it, and White Claws made its way over here, um, and there have been some uh, genuinely not horrible um, independent brands launched, um, but it's not. I got to be honest I did think it was going to I did think it was going to go and it doesn't seem to have done I don't know whether that's because everybody's holding their powder and they're not putting in above and below the line marketing strategies at the moment um or whether it's just because actually to us we had we had a lot of alco what we called alco pops I don't know whether it's yeah. the same um so you know and cider so has always I, had a pretty strong toehold yeah, I mean, in some, your market yeah so, so, i mean craft cider still is is having a bit of a moment in the sun um and long may that continue there's some astonishing <laughs> products coming out um but uh, there's a real sort of um there's not really a look for that sort of thing we've always kind of had a cheap undercurrent of that kind of stuff anyway so whether that's um, like bad, you know, sort of rubbish, very heavily flavoured ciders, um, you know, sort of really, really sort of, you know, the milkshake of the booze world um, of, uh, of things like Copperberg, strawberry and banana and things like that. And if you're if you're a if you're a teen entering the booze market, the first, you know, we, none of us like single malt whiskey straight out the gate. Um, so it's a it's an easy it's an easy in for them, but it doesn't seem like that lasts much into adulthood for a lot of people. So it's a very short term marketplace here. I feel like if this was taking place a year ago, we'd still be talking about hard seltzer as the as sort of the next as as one of the big dominant stories at least here uh, in the U.S. So it's interesting to see that the needle hasn't moved too too much um greg can people check into hard ciders on untapped i i, I or uh, uh, hard seltzers rather i'm sorry um is, is that something that you allow people to do we do uh we have allowed it uh from the very beginning we just never gave them a style preference or style we put them under uh other or, or other uh, you know other, other types in there but yeah, they've been able to check in to our Chelsea's from the from, from the very beginning, and now they're kind of categorized and officially on there as a an option. You know, in the U.S. and internationally, there are a couple of of our our, our friends that don't really consider this, and I'm sure Melissa, you have your own take on this. But you know, in the U.S., they're kind of marketed as in the same line of vein as a beer product. So you go to a supermarket or you go to a liquor store; they're literally like right next to each other in terms of this. So we consider yeah. them to be part of the kind of the beer uh, category from that perspective, at least in the United States. So yes, uh, and we're seeing tremendous growth in terms of check-ins uh on there it was insane to see that growth over the last you know in the summertime and it continuing to go on into the wintertime as well can can you are there numbers associated with it i know you guys have been putting out all sorts of different fun stats uh around this time of year is there any sort of growth that you can point to as to because i feel like at some point with with hard seltzers there was you know like serious beer drinkers were like oh i'm not gonna you know, I'm not going to drink that. That's not going to be for me. And they were sort of hiding it uh, or, or had a disdain for it. And then eventually you tried it. And I was one of those people. And, you know, <laughs> I, I enjoyed them over the summer. I, I don't know if I'd check into and tapped on them or, uh, you know, fully share on Instagram how many of these I was drinking over the <laughs> summer. Like, you know, are, are you seeing that, I guess, people aren't shy 
about this? Uh, yeah, they're definitely not shy about this. You know, I always try to compare this to the summer of 2015 uh, and 16, where Not Your Father's Root Beer was like the head of the town. We saw those extreme high numbers of check-ins across the board. Uh, it grew 150% uh, in terms of check-ins from April 2015 to July 2015. And then all of a sudden, it, it just fell off the earth. And I think that's because, obviously, there was a lot of controversy with who owned that particular brand, and that got sold to Paps and things of that nature. But hard seltzers are different. It, I, I think looking at, at the kind of the, the – the increase on it, it's not just the check-ins, but it's the brewers that are making those particular check-ins. Now looking at, you know, July, 2019 to July, 2020, you know, check-ins are up 162% in unique users over the previous year. So definitely a huge increase of check-ins, obviously as more and more breweries have got onto the, the table, but you know, it, 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 it's really about the, not just the users checking them in, but the breweries adopting to that particular culture and making them, you know, we've talked to many breweries on our untapped TV shows and stuff like that. And everyone's like, yeah, well, we didn't really want to make them, but everyone wants them. So we have to kind of join the line from that perspective. So we're just seeing not only the growth in the user side, but the breweries kind of coming together and making more beers or more ciders uh, and also more hard seltzers to match those needs. There's obviously a, a, a perceived kind of like health benefit, I guess you could say, if you want to drink a hard seltzer versus drinking a beer, but I'm not a doctor or, or pretend to be one, but I think there's a perceived kind of like, okay, it's, uh, you know, a, a, a not as much calories and uh, et cetera, but I think that also has something to play into the success of, of the hard seltzers in this time of day. I don't know. I feel like if I want like my mango or passion fruit or something, I'm just going to go for my IPA these days. I don't need it in a clear fucking <laughs> beverage. But, um, I want to pick up though, John. It's, it's a, you know, why, yeah. I, I, here's, a, here's the thing. I was really open about when I found there was a brand called Natural, which is actually without an A in it. Um, it's now rebranded itself to something that I can't remember. Um, and I was quite open that on a hot day, actually the lemon and lime one in particular really, you know, hit the spot. What is it? And Greg was saying, oh, you know, finally suddenly you sort of found this tipping point that, that people were checking these things in. And breweries are saying, oh, we don't really want to make them. But it's like, well, at what point do we just turn around and say, actually, you know, whilst there, there isn't this kind of, you know, imaginary sacred cow that we have to hold ourselves some sort of standard or that we don't want to be judged by this. It's like if a product is good and it's palatable and you enjoy mm -hmm. drinking it, what's the issue? I mean, Shep, you see that firsthand in talking with folks. Oh, I mean, sure. I, I have such a weird perspective on it because the, you know, I've, I've been doing this job and my way into the, in, this was my way into knowing about beer. And so it was really clear to me that actually most folks really don't really like, really don't care. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're the, the, the popular and, and the population of folks who are going to sort of hold up their nose or, uh, uh, and, and sort of, look at you askance, you know, throw, throw a little shade, throw a little side eye at, at what your beverage choice is, is, is actually, um, at least when it comes to, to beer and, and the way that, that we often think about, um, and that frankly, I often think about, right? I mean, I've been known to sort of look at somebody uh, 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 in my past, in my in my older days, um, you know, for, for based on what they're drinking, um, but I, you know, I think it, it, there's there's that uh, I, I'm hesitant to use the word fetishization, but there's the but you did been, but I did I went there and I did it um, because there's this um, 
we've uh, culturally in, in, in the craft segment, right. In the, in the small and independent brewer world, we've uh, I think maybe it's because we, there's such a, a honor of the brewer and the brewer's art there, the brewer's art and science. Right. So we, we feel like, uh, beverages that that honor that and represent that beautifully are are the ones that we should care about. Um, it's but it's it it gets slippery really quickly. I think as you you rightly point out, Melissa, like there's it it ends up getting real sticky and weird real quick. And and I actually think that we are at a point where a lot of folks are thinking about that a little carefully. And you know maybe we should sort of back off some of the shaming that we've done. Um, and I'll say that I've done. Oh um, yeah. No, I, I was doing that early on certainly. Yeah, and then yeah. I was drinking them a lot this summer and, you know, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I, I still can't like it. Um, but, but, you know, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to, to shade somebody who does. What's interesting. Yeah. Can I just say two things here? One, this is very exciting. I have never actually met somebody who is called Chip in in America. This is this is a wonderful day for call, me. I called him Shep. His, his last oh, name is Shep. Shepard, oh, and I called okay. him Shep. You've just completely shattered. No, me he's there. not the teacup from no. oh, Beauty and the Beast. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't we can't do a reenactment. Actually, I mean, well, actually, we could do a reenactment if you would like to. I would be more than happy. Um, by course, yeah. <laughs> Um, but also, secondly, I think that was a really nice way to dance around saying people are snobs in our world. They are. Absolutely. They are. 100%. Yeah, they are. I am. I think <laughs> Everybody bastards. <laughs> well, if you look at some of the untapped data, I think, you know, that's really where untapped was, was started out. I mean, we, we, there were other aspects of other rating sites out there, uh, such as Beer Advocate, Ray Beer, when untapped was started. And the premise of what untapped was is we don't really care what your uh, kind of attitude is around beer. We want everyone to explore beer and figure out what they want, what they like, what they don't like. And I think that's the kind of the mantra with, with hard seltzer is that, yeah, you know, you may not see it as beer and you're like, why is it on untap? Why is it still there? But at the same time, it helps bring people into that community and bring more drinkers to the table. And I think that no one can complain that that's a bad thing for the community. Yeah. What was interesting about untapped and, you know, being one of those early users with you, Greg, and, and, and then sort of following it over, over the years is that there are people who are checking in Bud Light there, you know, which is the best selling beer in the U S you know, there are people who are checking in Guinness. Uh, there's mm -hmm. people who are checking in sort of the, like these everyday beers where, when, when I first started using it uh, back in those early days, it was, you know, you were sort of ticking off, rare beers or you know the ones that would uh make your virtual friends you know quote unquote um, <laughs> impressed um but but you managed to bring a, and, and i think beer advocate was a lot of that you know where if somebody you know did decide to review natural light or something uh they were going to get made fun of or they were going to mm -hmm. do it in, in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way where you sort of leveled the playing field for right. for people but I, I'm, 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 it was interesting, Melissa, that, that you were talking, though, about uh, the lemon-lime one that you had, because the thing that I've seen about, unsel uh, about hard seltzers this year is you know, people were also using them as mixers. So even though they already have alcohol in them, uh, people are adding shots of vodka, shots of gin, uh, and, and all sorts of other, you know, ingredients to the hard seltzers for that extra boost, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, and... Uh, um, I'm not saying it didn't cross my mind. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've been in Spain with you drinking gin and tonics at four o'clock in the morning. So when you said lemon lime, that's immediately where my mind went was, you know, oh, Melissa's just going to add a little something extra to it. Yeah. Yeah, please just don't offer me any chocolates. <laughs> we can talk about that 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 later on. Um, but Melissa, so <laughs> amid a pandemic, uh, yeah. And we talked about the the restaurant industry early on, but amid a pandemic, uh, you decided to become a partner in a proper brick and mortar bar uh, mm-hmm. in London and Borough Market. Uh, one, tell us about it, and 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 two, please describe in detail um, just how clinically insane you are to do such a thing. Yeah, so you should never ever leave me without something to do. I just get myself <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> so all my festivals. You filled the Sudoku book, and then yeah, we're like, yeah, "What else am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to buy a bar." I've got dyscalculia, so the only thing that you'll get filled with Sudoku is all the wrong answers. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, so long, long and short um, is that I literally found myself with nothing to do but writing like a twice monthly column for the telegraph uh well it's like column it's a food pairing um thing which is next to next to nothing and uh one other magazines monthly and then some ad hoc stuff which really i was looking at at maximum sort of two days work a a month so um because i was actually in brazil when um locked up the first lockdown here hit that's right you had left belgium where i saw you and you went to south america yeah yeah um so oh no that was um that was another trip oh excuse me i'm sorry you get around yeah (laughs) oh easy Um, no i didn't mean it that way (laughs) you're well traveled is what i should have said but and that's certainly what i meant yes um i've known you long enough to know yeah Um, so, um, I, I literally landed, I was watching it, watching all of the festivals fall like dominoes for the first three months that I was going to be back. Um, and just, and also I was supposed to be launching a new book in May and that got held back to October and all that sort of stuff. And it was genuinely, I, I was, it was hard at times to really sort of keep my head up and think, right, what are we going to do next? Because there was nothing to do next. Um, and my husband, the long-suffering Mr. Melissa, is, you know, very gainfully employed and has still been working absolutely flat out throughout all of this. And it was just really quite depressing, frankly. And then my friends, um, Mike and Rich, who run the Rake in Borough Market, which is yeah, it's a great bar, iconic, an iconic beer bar in London. Um, they've also got a um, a beer stand on Borough Market and they've been there for 20 plus years and uh they said listen we've had this opportunity now in parts of borough market there are now these outside for want of a better phrase static street food venues and so um it's you know it's all plumbed in and got running water and and draft beer and all that kind of stuff and they said do you want to do something with this with us and it's like yes it's going to be so exciting and because we were told that everything would be over by summer, of course. <laughs> oh, over here, we were told by Easter, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like fools, we believe people. Um, 
and so we uh we said yeah what what the hell um and we got we got a good deal on it so we're we're only slightly sweating things um but when they started bringing in all these varying different restrictions on because for those of you who don't know the rate bar it's tiny um it's only it's what we'd call a wet lead premises over here i don't know whether it's the same term in the u.s uh, but it just no, i sells, don't know what that is it, sell, it sells beer and okay. and a variety of bag snacks um and so and it's called wet let wet wet lead yes okay so you get wet lead and food lead premises so okay. a restaurant premises and a, and a and a pub that doesn't sell food would be called a wet lead premises okay. i mean i'm just um, here to provide education that's why i'm asking okay there we go um so it, it, what happened was is that when they started introducing tier systems and all this kind of stuff is that if you were in certain tiers, apparently it turns out that the virus is only scared, is actually scared of food. So, you know, hot, hot tip, everybody, is that if, you, if you're having a pint, but you have food, it's okay because the virus won't come anywhere near you. Sorry, that is absolute sarcasm. No, no, no. We had that here. uh, It was in California. It was in New York. Uh, I think Jersey had it as well. There there was a few places uh, that put these restrictions on people where you had to order a meal. And then, you know, so people were offering a bag of chips and then they're saying, well, that's not a a meal. And uh, Uh, it got, yeah, it it was tough to sort of keep up with all of that. Yeah. And all power to the elbow of the Californian breweries who who are going to going to legal's because wineries can apparently do can can sit that can have food but but breweries can't but anyway um so we then we went then went from being able to carefully plan what we were going to do to oh my god the rake can't stay open without us providing food for it so we sort of started to we we've been just really just in in survival mode to keep the to keep the rake going so we've just been uh getting like pie mashing gravy in from a really good friend of mine chris who's got a company called my pie we've been sourcing from one of michael rich's old friends who's the the borough market stalwart so we've had an amazing food but it's not what we wanted to do so we're kind of we're kind of in this limbo at the moment with tier four about about do we reopen after Christmas? Is there really any point at the moment? Do we just will it just actually be financially better to stay shut? Um, so we're asking all of those hard questions at the moment. But it's been a it's been a fantastic ride in 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 so many ways for me, albeit absolutely knackering. And it's been one of those realizations that I've. A horrible realization that when you hit your mid forties, there are certain things that will absolutely end you. And doing a fourteen-hour day in the freezing cold on your feet, making pies from scratch because the ordering has been screwed up, um, and making soups and and what that is is uh, it turns out that that that's a little tiring. Who knew? Um, so yeah, so that's it. But it's also been really insightful on learning how to manage staff and things like that because I've been self-employed for so long now the actually remembering that 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 other people I'm responsible for other people is quite it's like oh god um yes I should probably tell the staff they've done well or oh god I'm supposed to have given them a direction for this or uh, so it's it's but I've got the most amazing um support network around me as well so it's not just me it's 
you know, Mike being incredibly organized and very ex-military about things and making sure everything's fine and dealing with the market because he knows how to deal with them and doing this and doing that and getting getting the the sort of the lights and the planters and the fridges and the things and that so that I can do more of the sort of conceptual stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been it's been really interesting, but also just yeah, I've turned we've turned so many times on this business already, and that I'm dizzy. <laughs> I mean, I, I know everybody is at this place where I know everybody's at this place where as we start to think about um, you know 2021 and a vaccine being rolled out and sort of getting back to normal. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to visiting your place in person just so that, you know, one, I can support a local business again, but two, just because it'd be nice to have some sort of sense of, of, of normalcy. Um, and you, you mentioned, yeah, sorry. I think that, I think normalcy should be 2021's word. It's like, oh, normalcy. <laughs> well, so you mentioned though, that when you started seeing festivals fall and I wanted to jump to that because Greg uh, untapped put on a festival last year. Um, and then uh, two of the businesses that next last year, parent company bought uh, beer advocate and more recently hop culture uh, have been doing festivals and events. And, and that sort of seemed to at least an outsider on these deals uh, sort of a marquee thing and something that uh you know would be good to have and uh in in a in a company that that deals with with the public and consumers and you were even talking about people checking in at festivals when do you think you know given your insight into these things when could festivals start to creep back in do you think that's like the million dollar question, John. I feel like I'm going on the record here that everyone's going to hold me against this, but we had originally had rescheduled our, our festival that we normally have every single year that like you mentioned to be April of next year. Which one was that? Uh, the 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 one in the, the Charlotte uh, um, oh, sure. Bank of America Simmons. So we originally were supposed to have it last this this past year in 2020 in May, but that obviously got that pushed because of COVID. We rescheduled that to April of next year of 2021. Uh, that's kind of the goal right now is to have that festival and put it in place. But we're going to take every precaution we have uh, from the guidance from the CDC and make sure that that is you know safe for people to come. But I will say this: when festivals are going to come back here, there's going to be a lot of thirsty people out there that are going to be jawing for these festivals as long as it's safe and everything with everyone can be healthy healthy and happy when they attend these things but you know i i, I think fundamentally the beer drinking experience has changed forever everyone's going to go now into a bar in the future and it's not going to be like you know people are going to sit far apart from each other that experience that we all love about drinking next to each other may be kind of changed for the future because of this kind of terrible virus that's happened is that you're not, you know, you're going to see mask people wearing masks everywhere where before it was maybe a couple people wearing masks. Now it's everyone wearing it and you're going to have to find a, you know, come to odds with those situations. But to answer your, your question, it, it's hard to say exactly when the vaccine is obviously going to be providing a lot of more comfort for people to be able to get out there. Uh, but it, I think what it comes down to it is when can the states and the governments come together and say, Hey, look, we're okay with this. Cause you look at things like the NFL, and other sporting events, there are some some states where you see fans in the stadiums, and there are some states we see no fans in the stadium. So it could be state to state in terms of when these festivals come back in that provide that last minute kind of push forward. But we're hoping that the vaccine is going to help in the future, and we'll see what what it unfolds in, in April, and hopefully we'll have our festival. But if not, we're going to put the health and safety first before we make a decision on on that level. 
So Chip, when you're talking to all of the various uh, breweries that are out there, I'm sorry, Shep, uh, when you're talking to all the various breweries that are out there, um, are, are you starting to hear long-term planning changes, things that people are, you know, that maybe was commonplace in 2019, uh, you know, for them business-wise that might not be commonplace in 2021? Uh, sure thing, Dale. Um <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I pronunciation hole. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, it's, you know, a lot of the breweries that I talk to are, are larger and more established breweries. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and so from the beginning have always been in this place of how do we hunker down you know, maximize what we're left with and just sort of stick it out in, until things return. Um, but one of the the last, something that feels really lasting um, when I is figuring out other avenues of trade. Um, the big one is of course, e-commerce, right? And online mm -hmm. ordering. Tons of breweries uh, where it's legal have figured out that that direct to consumer shipping piece. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, here in New York, uh, they, uh, they cleared breweries to uh, ship within the state. They can't ship over state lines because states get real prickly and actually the New, the New York regulators get really prickly about other states shipping into New York when they're not supposed to. Um, uh, so they, they kept it within the state, but tons of breweries here have sort of that immediately kicked into gear this, okay, how do we literally redesign our website to turn it into an, an e-commerce site rather than um, a site that basically just tells you when we're open, what beers we make and sort of why we make them. Yeah. Um, a lot a lot of those pivots happened and, and now we're seeing a little bit of a moderation where that uh, is um, combining into existing sort of e-commerce tools that are out there. Um, that I think is one of the more fundamental things that breweries figured out how they wanted to attack that when they were forced to. Um, and that's going to stick around because I think it's also turned a lot of consumers onto the fact that like, oh, wait, I, I can order beer online and oh my goodness, I can even make it delivered here. Um, it, 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 there was a, that was available before, but there was, wasn't a lot of awareness of that, uh, or yeah. at least some resistance to that. Um, and the second piece that, that what happens sort of next there, uh, is sort of shifting some of the state laws that, that keep that still restricted in certain ways. And, you know, most states have some sort of restrictions on that. Very few are sort of, uh, pretty, you know, open about, I say everyone, but everyone who is of age and, and sort of old enough to buy alcohol to be able to buy alcohol online and have it shipped. Um, we're watching a, a, a moment where uh, that, that's changing, right? Where, where folks are yeah. sort of figuring out how do we for the long term make this something that's okay. More with the group in a minute, but first, a note from this episode's sponsor, Cigar City Brewing, makers of Maduro Brown Ale. Aromas reminiscent of toffee and chocolate macaroons belie the low alcohol content and moderate body of this well-rounded English-style brown ale. Semi-sweet chocolate, almond, and brown sugar flavors fill the palate, but quickly dissipate into a dry, clean finish with notes of ground coffee. Learn more at CigarCityBrewing.com. I feel like we've been covering a lot of the the heavy stuff and talking yeah. about a lot of the the, the more serious stuff. Um, you know, this is 
this is airing on the 23rd of December. It's usually a time of year where people try to take a break if, if, if you're able to. I'm curious as to food and or drink traditions, uh, probably around beer, uh, since that's what this show is, although uh, we welcome all beverages um, that are special to you this time of year. Are, 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 are there things that any of you do on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day that are, I don't know, a, a little bit of comfort, um, you know, normalcy, regularity um, that you're looking forward to this year? Oysters. 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 Yes. Yeah, so um, our, uh, our tradition, um, so uh, we don't have kids, so we took uh, – a view a number of years ago that unless something had uh, radically happened within families, our families live 250 miles apart. I'm aware that that is nothing in US terms, but in UK terms, it's a lot. Our, we don't have a car. Our train companies don't run on, a, on, on Christmas Day and stuff. So we said, no, we're not going to do the whole pull from pillars post. We'll close the doors. So we always, if we can, obviously sometimes if a, if, if a if a Christmas falls on a Monday, you don't you don't want to be buying oysters three days in advance. But we always buy we always buy what we could. But, yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, yeah. There's a reason that they're on sale. Yeah, there's yeah. It's like don't buy gas station and sushi, right? Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's one it's one way you could lose the Christmas week really quickly. Anyway, sorry. Um, so uh, I we um, always have oysters, um, and I love. Uh, making the mignonette with um, with creek and red wine vinegar and shallots oh. and horseradish, and we normally have a, a mixed firm uh, seven fifty, uh, so champagne bottle with that. Whilst we're doing everything else, nice. Yeah, Greg, what about you? To be honest, I, I do have kids. So, you know, uh, being responsible is probably the only thing I can do, especially now that I have a, a newborn and two month old. But, um, you know, I, I think for, for me is, you know, I've, I've always been a huge fan of Sierra Nevada's Celebration Ale. That to me is like the the winner in the bottle kind of mm-hmm. Christmas holiday. Um, so I always tend, tend to crack a few of those up in the Christmas Eve my wife and we just kind of relax, uh, especially with two kids. We try to relax as much as we can. Uh, and, uh, you know, kind of enjoy that and, and, and kind of soak it in. But, you know, ultimately it, it's, it's an odd Christmas. Um, you know, usually we are surrounded by family. Uh, I'd live pretty close uh, to my parents and my in-laws and, you know, uh, typically everybody's here or there. So it's definitely going to be different this year with all the restrictions in place. But um, the one thing that's always been a state for me is that Sierra Nevada celebration nail and by the fireplace. You can't get much better than that. Just, Honestly, uh, I'd kill you right now. Such a limited amount came into the UK and it, <laughs> in the oh, blink really? of an eye and everybody has been going, oh, my God, it's the best year yet. It's like, I hate you all. I mean, Melissa, <laughs> it, it actually is the best year yet. The foam on it is incredible. The the the, the hop aroma and presence uh, comes through in that classic West Coast bitterness. Um, I've, I've bought three 12 packs uh, so far this season and have uh, the fourth ready. Uh, as well for for Christmas and, and New Year's, so uh, I'll make sure that I tag you um, on yeah, Instagram every now. single time. You are uh, all twelve times. Hey, <sighs> do you have a bleep button for this show, by the way? No, but you can curse. It's fine. There's a, a when I Fuck upload you, it. <laughs> 
well, there's the Christmas spirit. Um, <laughs> oh, ho, fucking ho. <laughs> Shep, what about you? Uh, I, you know, I'll join in on the celebration love for a hot second because it's, um, I can't think of too many so other good this year. Yeah, it is. I, I got through my case, my first case, uh, before the first week of December, I believe. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I am also very much getting the sense that I might just be known as Chip from now on. And you know what? I'm not mad at it. Oh, I'm not was. mad at all. I kind of <laughs> like it. Um, uh, you get tired of being Chris for, for sometimes. Um, uh, I, and uh, I will probably grab my second case. Sorry, 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 Melissa. Sorry. Um, before before the before the week is out and, and Christmas arrives. You know what is odd to me that that I thought of um, when you first asked this question about tradition. It, the first thing that I thought of wasn't a food or a drink, but was a glass. Um, yeah. So Christmas Eve, I Christmas Eve for me is at my parents' house. Um, it will be again, even though it'll just be uh, my parents uh, and my grandmother and my husband and I there. Um, we, we'll, it'll be a much smaller crew than it usually is. Um, but uh, I'm glad I will still be there and we'll be able to drink a variety of beers um, that will will range from celebration to, oh, probably something Belgian and light, uh, probably something Belgian and dark, uh, certainly something, uh, a robust porter uh, at some point. Um, but but we, we sort of go all over the map, the family these days, but I'll drink every single one of those beers out of this really gorgeous, it's gotta be a 12 to 14 ounce handled, um, it's almost like a glass stein, if you will. Um, but it's got this really pretty white uh, sort of tree pattern, like holiday, uh, it's not Christmas, but it's, um, you know, like just sort of pine tree trees. Kind of yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, and they're just really pretty. Um, and And for me, thinking about being with my family uh, for Christmas Eve, I think about drinking beer out of those glasses because it's got the handle. They're nice and thick glass so you can properly cheer somebody. Um, uh, and it feels nice and, and solid in your hands uh, when you're sitting in front of the fire. Uh, and it's oh, interesting. I, like I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. And until you, that was the first image in my brain when, when you asked about uh, family traditions of the holidays. So there you go. Well, I hope you'll pour a Sierra Nevada celebration into it and tag uh, Melissa uh, you, on, uh, on social I, media. I'm, I'm thinking I might just just put that in my calendar now, um, so don't I don't forget. You dead to me. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like I'm like a cat with you. Like this is about the seventh time that I've been dead to you so far. So I'll punch my card and hope for two more times. Um, so I'm I'm I'm. I, I was thinking as, 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 as you were saying this with like the various traditions and everything and, and, and thinking back to, to Christmas's past. And I imagine all of you had similar experiences at some point when you started writing about beer, when you got into uh, uh, beer, you got into, you know, became known as like the beer person in your family for, for whatever reason. Uh, there's usually that Christmas where 
all of the gifts that you get are somehow related to beer and it's people trying their best. It's people trying to, you know, like, Oh, you know, uh, John's the beer guy. Let's get this for him. And it's, and it's usually kind of like a junkie something or other, or something that doesn't really have any great practical use. Um, but you know, it's the thought that counts kind of thing. It, it, if you've had those similar experiences, are, are there gifts that stand out in your mind that you got on that that first Christmas or holiday when you became the beer person in other people's minds? I got one off the top of my head, John, because this has happened every single year for Christmas is we have distant relatives that will send stuff. They don't really know me that well. Oh, he's that guy from that beer app or that's, <laughs> that some people use around the world. And you know, I, I got, a couple of years ago, I got a beers of the world pack uh, from uh, a distant relative. And oh, yikes. it was like one of those, like, you know, they have these things called world's market here in Connecticut, which is kind of like a, like a very low, low class target or something like that, where it's just like literally a package, package beer that has like the word beer on the outside, no labels, no nothing. And just as beers of the world. And you open it up and it's like walking into, you you know, Yankee stadium and trying to go to their beers of the world, you know, kind of uh, you know thing, which is nothing. It's like, here's your beer from Belgium. It's a Belgian, white beer called blue moon and here's a beer from you know uh mexico it's from it's corona and it's just like it was it was interesting it's, i appreciate the thought and they're all uh, out of code it, yeah. yeah all the code that the labels are falling off of them that you know they're, they're like they're you know it, you appreciate it you, you say thank sure. you for thinking of me and, and thinking of beer but um here let me tell you how to go to halftime and buy a, a beer pack or something like that have a center or something along those lines uh but yeah it is pretty crazy yikes Melissa, think, or, uh, yeah, I think about the knickknacks. Yeah, the knickknacks, Chris. Sorry, yeah, no, I just think of yeah, which which I I is obviously broader than beer, right? But because there's so many of these kinds of things, but just the little plastic objects or the the number of koozies or bottle openers that are slightly cool but just not quite cool enough to make the cut in a collection of you don't know, dozens upon dozens of bottle openers that I've picked up over the years. Um, I just think about that kind of stuff, which, you know, I feel like something that I appreciate about um, 20, the silver lining I'm going to choose to find in, in Christmas in, in 2020 is that I, I'm buying gifts for fewer people. And I, and a lot of my family is doing the same, yeah. um, which allows me to be a little bit more careful and, and choiceful. And I'm not buying gifts for people that I don't know very well um, this year. Uh, and so I, it, it's allowing everything to be a little bit more special and, 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 and maybe, maybe it'll be the, you know, I'll be on the receiving end of that as well this year, fingers crossed, yeah. um, which I sort of like, you know, I don't, Yes. That was, such, that was such a prayer to the universe. It, uh, it was. Yeah. Please don't give me. Please don't give me crap that I will feel bad about throwing away, but will in fact throw away. Um, yeah, that's absolutely what it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's your what's your what's your knickknack, Melissa? <laughs> I dodged that bullet entirely. I don't know how, but I have. I've completely dodged that bullet. Really. Yeah, I, 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 I think, I think it's partly because having sort of come up through journalism and all of my family knowing that, you know, we're, I'm pretty, um, 
they know how it is when you're a journalist, you get sent stuff. Um, and um, I think a lot of my friends who, because a huge amount, I mean, a vast amount of my friends are actually from the beer world. Oh, yeah. The, they already know that this kind of stuff happens and it happens to them. So they don't they don't want to put it on other people. Um, and those friends who aren't beer people just say to me, I wouldn't even know where to start. So why would I bother? It's like, you know, you, I, 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 I share the bounty of what I get sent. Uh, so they're like, well, why am I going to be beer? So that's your nice way of saying that you unload the crap that you get to people. No, I really don't. I actually am very careful about what I, what I give to people, apart from my next door neighbor who drinks anything. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's, he's unfortunately gone home to Columbia. Um, but uh, so he'll, he'll be back. He'll he'll have a big box waiting for him. Um, I was gonna say, yeah, all those beers yeah. of the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't get a lot of those. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm really lucky. I've I've dodged that bullet. But um, there is a bit of a, and and at the risk of sounding hugely ungrateful, and I admit that anybody in the beer world who's kind enough to do this kind of stuff who who wants to kick me up the arse next time they see me. Is that we do have a bit of a standing joke in our house? Of like, yay, it's got another glass in it because we have run out of cupboards. Yeah, yeah. It's but the, the, but the, uh, the glass. I mean, if you think that we've gone from like awful nonics to all of these, you know, beautiful sort of bulb-shaped glasses, and and the way that design and branding has gone. So, oh, I really shouldn't. I, I should find a place for that. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not a huge hoarder, but everything's so gorgeous now that you're just thinking, well, I'm, I'm so clumsy, as evinced by the fact I threw myself down some steps at the weekend, twisted my ankle to the point where it looks like Violet Beauregard um, and I'm hobbling about the place right now. Um, the, you know, I, I know that I'm going to break a bunch of them. So, you know, having something in reserve is kind of handy. That's uh yeah I I've had to 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 stop collecting and, and and bringing glassware into the house. Um, I have two that sort of come to mind though in this in this vein. Uh, the the first was a a, a Christmas a couple of years ago where uh, we were with uh, my wife's family and one of her cousins uh, gave me a copy of my cookbook of the American <laughs> Craft Beer Cookbook and didn't no. realize that I had written it. No. And like, I was like super confused as I'm staring at it and, That's and awesome. she saw me looking at it and she goes, uh, she goes, well, it's like a beer cookbook. And like, I saw it and I thought of you and thought that you, you know, you'd really, uh, you know, like you might get a kick out of, you know, some of these recipes that are in there. I looked through it and like, there's some really great recipes. And I was like, oh, and I, and it clicked in that moment that like she was being absolutely sincere. And it, oh so I was God. like, ah, thank you. Thank you so much. And somebody had to pull her aside later on and be like, John wrote that, by the way, <laughs> like his pictures on the back. <sighs> um, so that that was fun. But then a couple years ago, God, this is maybe 15 years ago. My mother-in-law went on a cruise and I guess it went through Mexico at some point. And she stopped at one of these little tchotchke stands and she got this figurine and it's it's this awful, awful stereotype of like a, a, a Mexican man in a sombrero with a big mustache and a poncho. And he's wearing chaps and he's uh, uh, holding a beer bottle uh, in, in, in his arms. 
And it just says, you know, Mexico or Cerveza or something on it. And my mother-in-law bought this for me uh, because it had, you know, it was a guy holding a beer and she thought that I, that I would like it. And so I'm, I'm looking at it and I was like, oh, this, this is, this is very nice. And thank you. And I'm thinking, like, I have no need for this. And I turned it around and on the back of it, uh, it, 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 there's only one nice way to say this. He was wearing chaps and just chaps. I was and actually going to Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's bare ass and bits um, that are exposed on, on the back of it. And my mother-in-law, who doesn't listen to this show, to this day still has no idea that that's what she gave me. Because if she did, she would be mortified and like like would, would, would just be beside herself every day. But it's hanging on a, it's sitting on a shelf in my office now just because it, it is now one of my most treasured and favorite things because uh, it's from my mother-in-law and she meant it in such a, a, a wonderful and, and, and sincere kind of way. Uh, with it being one of the most inappropriate gifts uh, that I've ever received. I really so. hope it's constantly facing the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eyes against the wall. You're in trouble. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great idea. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for doing this. Thanks for, for taking time out of your Christmas week to, to, to sit and talk about the industry and talk about you know, life and all of that. And be before we go, I just kind of want to go around the table since there is a, a vaccine that's coming out and um, we're looking for normalcy in, in 2021. Is there a place, is there a bar, is there a uh, experience that you're most looking forward to having uh, in this, in this new year? And uh, Greg, let's start with you. So the local bar to me called Eli Cannons uh, located in Middletown, Connecticut. I've uh, been going there since I met my wife, like 11, 12 years ago there. And, uh, it got a, a really tiny tap room. I think most people can understand, like, you know, it, it's just really, really tiny and they've been not able to open up at all in this kind of situation. So I'm looking forward to, you know, grabbing my mug off the wall and, you know, drinking out of that mug in that small little tap room once things are, are cleared up. Chris Shepard, what about you? I, I want, this is going to sound so trite. I want to see you again, John. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know, my, my beer, it, my, some of my favorite beer drinking is with beer friends at beer conferences. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, please, I, I can't wait to get back into a dance studio again. I can't wait to teach my weekly bar class in front of people in a studio again, instead of on zoom. Um, but when it, when it comes to, you know, what, what, what drinking occasions, what beer moments do I miss the most is it's like, I miss those late night beers after a long day in a, in a convention center. Oh, yeah. Um, the, ho the hotel bars. Yeah just the hotel bars with, with, with John Hall and, and uh, all my beer buddies um, is honestly the, the, the beer drinking that I think the most about that I've missed this year. I know that was going to be Melissa's answer as well, but uh, at the verge of, of not repeating uh, what Chris just said, Melissa, what about you? Oh no, I'm going to do it anyway. I absolutely <laughs> want to be in a bar in Spain with you drinking gin and tonics, watching you do California love word for word. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. Four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, eating gummy bears and drinking bowls of gin and tonics in a nondescript Spanish city. That was that was one of my favorite. Uh, that was one of my favorite favorite nights uh, and or early mornings uh, that I, that uh, that I've had uh, to this date. But uh, yeah, I'd love to get back to Spain and love to get back to the UK and just yeah, you know, festivals and 
conferences and everything. I have to echo what Christopher said there. I completely have to echo what Christopher said there is the, that really the missing the beer family and after 20 plus years in the industry, it is family. Um, that that is absolutely what's killing me a lot about this. And also I'm a very huggy person. Yes. And, and my big, thank you. <laughs> my, no, amen. Yeah. <laughs> my my big thing is is that I just I just want to be able to hug the people I love again. It's it just whether that's family, whether that's friends. I and I can't bear not traveling. Um, and it just it, it is that's what I want to get back to. I just want to get back to that word of twenty twenty one normalcy. Normalcy. Well, here's hoping it happens sooner rather than later. Melissa, Chris, Greg, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Oh, Merry thanks Christmas. Thanks so much. Merry Christmas. That's Melissa Cole, Chip Shepard, and Greg Avola. My thanks to all of them for coming on the show and for taking the time. And if you have a holiday beer tradition that you'd like to share, head over to The Beer Edge on social media and share your story. And also check out BeerEdge.com for more content and to sign up for the newsletter. And if you're drinking Celebration this week, a reminder that Melissa Cole is on Twitter at Melissa Cole. And before we go, a bit of housekeeping. Make sure to head over to Facebook and join the This Week in Roush Beer group because there's always something smoky going on. And if beer audio is your thing, make sure you listen to the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch for deep dive conversations with interesting brewery owners and more. And also head over to BeerEdge.com, as I mentioned earlier, for articles and to sign up for the newsletter. And every Monday, look for new episodes of Steal This Beer, and once a month, I'll ask you to download the BYO Nano podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a review and you can always reach me via email at john hall that's j-o-h-n-h-o-l-l at beeredge.com or i'm on twitter at john underscore hall nate schweber does the music he's got a new album out called gaps find him on nateschweber.bandcamp.com and jeff quinn designed our logo all right before we go my thanks again to this episode's sponsor cigar city brewing and as promised joey redner is back on the line and we're talking about maduro brown ale Joey, I've always thought of brown ales as great food companions, and I'm curious as for you, where Maduro fits in with a meal. Yeah, so Maduro, I think is uh, it's it's one of our better food pairing beers. Um, for me, the magic combination is uh, a very spicy pad thai, um, the the offset of of you know that that little bit of sweetness that you're getting Maduro. I think it just really offsets the the spicy heat. And then you've got the peanuts. Some of that flavor carries over into Maduro, so you get an offset and a complimentary note. Uh, it goes really well with creamy cheeses. That's a natural pairing for it. Um, it's a strong food pairing beer uh, in our lineup, and and I think it, it has been since the start. Maduro has also served as the base beer for other Cigar City Brewing beers like Cubano Style Espresso and Oatmeal Raisin Cookie Brown Ale. What do you think makes the base beer as Maduro so perfect for showcasing additional ingredients? Maduro, you know, when you look at the when you look at where it's starting flavor-wise, um, you know, you, you're already getting a little bit of of milk chocolate. You're already getting a little bit of uh, caramel and toffee notes. A little, little, little bit of nuttiness. Um, it's just natural that out of those things you could build um, dessert beers or something that you know. In the, in the case of Cubano Espresso, a coffee beer because you're sort of already starting with some of those flavors just from the malt. So when you accentuate them by adding the actual ingredients that they're um, sort of flavor mimicking, 
you know, it's it's a natural progression. Um, and, it, you know, not just Cubano espresso and oatmeal raisin cookie, but, you know, we've we've probably done dozens of examples of what we like to think of as dessert beers um, built on Maduro. And, um, you know, they work really well because the base raw ingredient that you're working with is, is you know, it's a great foundation. It's a great platform for those flavors. Uh, it really helps to to showcase the flavors that you're adding, the adjuncts. Um, but, but that only works because what you're starting with is what's close to begin with. Give us the stats on this beer. Um, it was five and a half percent alcohol, um, very low IBU bitterness. Uh, it's going to have a nice sort of dark amber to uh, brown color. Um, it's just a very easy beer to get into, in my opinion. Well, thanks, Joey. And I'll invite everyone to learn more about Maduro and all of the other Cigar City beers by visiting CigarCityBrewing.com. And once again, thanks to them for sponsoring this show. I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday. And that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer. And I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas.